excited because sitting right opposite me, I have got the director of Materials Research Design Studio, Matter. I've got Seetal Solanke sitting right opposite me with, you got herbal tea there? Herbal tea. Herbal tea and I've got my water and we're ready to have a snack and have a chat. I'm so excited. Thanks so much for being on the podcast and giving up your time to come and chat to me. I'm really excited. Yeah, likewise. I think um, what you're doing I feel it resonates with what we're doing so much so pleasure to be here thank you we've got a lot lot of ground to cover so for people that don't know what is matter what is this research design studio and why did you start it so matter basically is um in three parts very simply it is a design studio it is a consultancy and a school And so the main aim is to get people to use materials more responsibly. And that can be achieved in many different ways. So the school kind of um, is part of um, education. So like that is where it all begins. It's like almost educating and re-educating the public and our clients of how they're connected to materials and that they're never really without materials and how they can actually be making more informed choices in their daily lives as well as in their work. Um, So we do workshops, talks, exhibitions, events and all sorts of things to get people involved. Um, And then the consultancy kind of leads on from that in a way where we're working with brands, companies, individuals um, and getting them to implement a more responsible way of using materials by looking at what they already have and using that to its full potential and then looking at maybe introducing alternatives to those materials or processes and then getting them to change the way that they make and manufacture. And then the design studio is more to do with storytelling. So whether it's doing uh, lots of writing, I've recently written a book called Why Materials Matter and that was published by Prestel in September 2018. And so that's kind of the embodiment of the studio in a way. It's like getting people, designing it in a way where people can actually understand it. Because materials has always kind of existed within the sciences or academia. Mm. And it's never really been accessible to the masses. And for me, that's one of my main aims is to get it more access- to be more accessible. So what did you study at uni and how did you get from doing your degree to then obviously starting matter? Like, did yeah. you know that your goal was always to open a, a design agency um, and, and kind of go into research or did you navigate to that and kind of ride the wave as it were? totally rode the way where it fell off quite a few times <laughs> I think I think we all have, I think we all have. <laughs> uh, but that's been the journey and I think I wouldn't change that for anything um so I studied uh textiles and I also studied um jewelry and silversmithing so that's what I began with and then I ended up doing multimedia textiles which then allowed me to work with not just fabric but I also started using plastic metal and wood and like sort of in warping that and trying to challenge what textile is and then I went on to do a master's at CSM 
and textile futures is what it was called at the time. So that kind of allowed me to see a much bigger picture of like sustainable textiles and innovative textiles and smart textiles. So even looking at technology, programming and coding and all sorts of things. And is that when you started, I guess, questioning materiality and, you know, how consumers are consuming and and how I guess textiles and materials are so important in our everyday life and also I think coming from uh, like an Indian background how textiles and you know obsession with colour and pattern it's kind of embedded in into our DNA so did you did you kind of feel that your identity um, and things that you'd seen growing up had that kind of made its way into the work that you were creating yeah, probably. I didn't really recognise it or acknowledge it at the time, um, especially through studying. Um, I was almost like going against that in a way, like not really embracing my identity at the time. I was just... Um, I didn't acknowledge it at the time, I don't think, my cultural identity even when, is though, this when you were doing your BA or um when you were doing your master's I think throughout throughout really yeah um why was that did you just feel like you I guess we've you know like you want to fit in and was it was no it wasn't even in? about fitting in I it was just I didn't see myself in other Asians there wasn't really any other Asians that I felt like oh yeah they're doing the same thing oh it's so that makes it you know I'm I'm not doing like the typical textile Asian thing yeah yeah which is very um I guess everywhere um very recognizable but I never really just wanted to be a print designer I never really wanted to just be a a woven yeah I mean weave is hard hard enough as it is I mean yeah it's really difficult and also it's like you you're kind of you're going against the grain but you also want that acceptance as well. It's like you're not doing it on purpose because you kind of want to stand out. That just never fitted with who you was and it wasn't aligned with your values. And I remember we were speaking about this um, before, which is why we've got a lot in common as well. Yeah, I felt like I just wanted to know who I was without knowing, like connecting it to anything else. Like I, I always used my work as self-expression and like, it was always, my work was always questioning something deeper, not necessarily about my upbringing or identity or anything like that. I think for me, it was more about like questioning our society or the environment or anything like that, because that is what connects people together. And was that quite hard to navigate when you kind of, I guess you have that built up pressure as well, because you already know that, you know, I don't really fit into the kind of typical mould, um, as it were. So how did you navigate from that to now? Um, <laughs> obviously, it's like a massive journey and um, a, probably a difficult one at times as well, you know. Like, I remember when I look back, um, I, I used to think, like, why am I so obsessed with colour? And, like, really, what? like, I'm doing textiles, but mm. where is this actually going to get me? And that's also because the pressure from our society when it comes to the creative arts and I guess you know like now I look back is they want the best for their kids and they want you know you to go down a path where it's where you're stable you know where you can be successful in that Mm. and 
for me, it was really about, do you see yourself? Like, I remember my dad saying to me, like, because um, I obviously wanted to be a TV presenter, for anyone that didn't, didn't so know this. <laughs> so I wanted to be a TV presenter. I wanted to go to drama school. And my dad was like, okay, tell me three people um, who look like you or sound like you. And I rem- remember sitting there thinking, shit, I can't think of one person. Mm. Yeah, I never really had that either, but it didn't really stop me mm-hmm. from being, well, trying to figure out who I was. Um, and regardless of the lack of representation, I felt like that was almost even more motivation to like just do what I do, regardless of the color of my skin or regardless of my gender. For me, it doesn't, it didn't really matter. But that sort of journey like kind of was a very long journey like it's taken me 12 13 years before I began matter I worked in so many different areas of the creative industry whether it was fashion or interiors or architecture or lighting or automotive for me my main question was not necessarily about who I was or who I am it's more about like um what is the textile and the impact that it can have and like it's much bigger than me basically because it has it's in everything and it's in everything we do and so many people are um I guess connected to it in some way and obviously that encompasses material designers not just textile designers for me they're all the same um but there was a real lack of understanding and representation for those people and do you feel like let's fast forward to now do you feel the industry is changing slowly or do you still feel like it has a huge way to go and I think it's it's definitely changing I think there's a lot more awareness um around materials and around the impact that they can have in a positive way because materials I mean everything is made of something and that is the material therefore the impact that can have and the people that are doing it needs they need to be utilized more effectively and um, that's kind of my role really is to shine a light on it and actually do something about it and how do you explain what you do like to your family or extended family do they just think that you just work in fashion um actually no um now well initially yes obviously um but I now because my parents are retired and they I get get them involved in the work that I do whether we're doing an exhibition or event um they're and they're kind of being involved and getting to understand why I do what I do more than anything and do you think that's really important to have that support not just you know physic physically you know to help you but that emotional support from mm. from your parents from your peers um not 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 from the point of having justification from them but that like we we, we speak about like how important your mental well-being is and for me I believe that's a huge part um for people like us who are creative and, you know, we want to carve our own path and uh, within that field. And for me, it's so important that my parents have given me that emotional support and 
that they understand and if they don't understand they're always asking the questions um, is it has it been the same for you yeah way more recently than anything I think towards the early years it, there was less of that there was more me kind of fighting my own car you know I think I was going against the grain with them as well because they didn't really accept or understand why I wanted to do what I wanted to do but that didn't really stop me and it was almost like my cultural upbringing gave me that sort of so cheesy but inner strength almost like Mm. um it's almost like a spiritual guidance without even understanding why that existed Mm. it's like basically I'm trying to find my truth and that I think that's something that is always really present in Indian culture is you're trying to find your truth and because of that and I lived in a household with like it was intergenerational so like my grandparents my parents and siblings so it's almost like learning from the past like my grandparents and learning from the present my parents and then where the future so like how do we sort of continue this um lineage in a way um but towards looking at this society because they're coming from India and then Kenya and then we're British yeah and how do you I mean this is such a such a broad question um but how do you identify yourself? Would you mm. do you feel that you fall into the category of being British South Asian? Do you say I know, or do you say you're Gujarati? Do you say um, so difficult? It is, I think yeah. it's also situation dependent. Um, I say I'm British mainly, um, South Asian British. Sometimes I don't know. It's like I just like to be seen as me. Mm. I don't really like to be Boxed put in, in a box. Situ- yeah, yeah, I, I agree as well. But it's weird, like, uh, the older that I've got, like, yeah, I say I fall into the category of, of, of being British South Asian, but for me it's like, yeah, I'm I'm Punjabi, I'm Sikh, um, and I'm connected to that. Like, mm. it's weird, I think, and the older that you get, but then it also it's the people that you're surrounded by, and again, it comes back to if you're on the search for finding your truth... Um, once it's like putting a seed in isn't it like once you you start questioning um you 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 already are going down that path almost subconsciously as well yeah and then anything that you do that kind of goes against that your gut will tell you that this is this is not the right kind of path um and for you i'm not afraid of saying that i'm indian or south asian Mm. i think i really cherish that part of myself i think more so now as I'm older than anything um because I'm understanding it from my perspective and what that means to me and what it means to me being a woman being a creative being Asian like in the UK it's it's a really interesting time I think for us um and I mean that as a wider population just because I feel like there's more sort of support, I think, and yeah. awareness around what that means and what it can actually achieve. And also, I feel like once you kind of... Okay, yeah, we're all... 
oh, I say we're all same, same, but yeah, we, we are different in, 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 you know, upbringing backgrounds, but essentially we're, oh, we're human beings. Yeah. You know, and it's looking at these kind of differences and finding the unity within that. And it's about empowering the next generation because I always say, like, when I was growing up, I didn't... I wanted to study textiles or study arts, but I could never... I could never pinpoint someone that looked like me. Mm. And even now, it's like, where are these people? That's why... um, Obviously, I remember you coming to my ex-work and, 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 and doing a talk. I was just like, wow, who is this woman? What does she do? I need to reach out. But the timing was never right. And um, I remember reading when you, you got your award. And I was like, this is... Like, I remember like reading it and like, telling my mum and dad, like, oh, my God, mum, like, there's this amazing woman. She, she's run this amazing design studio. And now I look back and it's like, I wish I had that growing up. Mm. And, okay, you can't always look back and kind of you know, cry over spilt milk, as it were. But I think it's so important for people of my age, younger, to see women and men that look like us and have that authentic... I know that's a word that is just tirelessly used over and over again, but have that authentic representation in mainstream media um, for people to feel empowered and to feel inspired that, yeah, I can work hard and Mm. I can do that for myself. Because that's so important. And I think when you... Especially with brands, it's like once you start realising the value in that, the world's your oyster. Yeah, absolutely. I think even... What was I going to say? I think that really textiles and materials is really having a moment at the moment right now. Yeah. And... I mean, I've been working in it for 15 odd years, but I've always have. Like, it's quite, I like, guess, really intuitive for me. Um, but I think because what I'm representing almost is resonating mm. with people, just mm. because it's not necessarily coming from it at um, an exclusivity, yeah. elitist um, point of view. It's very inclusive and diverse, and it's not necessarily excluding anybody from this conversation and it's very the language is really key I think because I'm not using a very complicated language it's just very it's very simple yeah it's very direct and it's uh, it's universal isn't it like everyone can can understand that and do you feel that it is important to see this authentic representation to hear the voices of these communities, of these people? And do you feel that there are some, obviously, brands that are really getting it right? I'm not going to ask you to list any. And <laughs> Please don't. Yeah, no, no. And there are, there are some brands where you think, who is actually in these room, rooms having these conversations, making these decisions and creating these campaigns and having this output? Because it, it, I, I just feel like if people aren't, and it comes down to willing and and willing to adapt and kind of look at where things are going wrong. If brands and businesses aren't having diverse inclusion at the heart of their strategies, then they're going to fall apart because that's not the way that the world is moving as well. Mm. Do you, and it's not how the world the world is, is anyway. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. 
I mean, if you think about even the term sustainable or sustainability, it's not a word that's translatable in Indian language at all. Mm. Um, So it's very, it's a Western word that we've had to kind of come up with um, to kind of action something and provoke something. Um, Whereas I feel like in a lot of Asian countries that already exists and there's not necessarily a word that kind of gets you to behave that way. And I think it that's very cultural. It's like embedded, it's implicit, it exists, and it's how we live. I remember when we um, when we last met and we were talking about... Um, I think I posted that picture on the gram about... Um, obviously, in, in our household, we make sure that we never waste food. Mm. So if we've cooked something today, um, we'll either adapt it and, um, you know do an extra durka to it or, um, I don't know, have it on, on toast, um, on toast or something. And it's like we never, not only do we not waste the food, but the process we try not to waste um, and, and we make sure we recycle. So, like, say if we're cooking with, um, you know, a tin of tomatoes and mm-hmm. I, I put, like, we, rin- we, you know, we rinse that last bit of tomato, mm-hmm. we add it in and we make sure that, we've got every bit, you know, and even on, on, on the lid. And because, again, it's like we... That's that's embedded into us. And yeah. we, I say we try not to waste. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that's not across all... I'm not speaking for all Indian... Um, the whole Indian population, but we try our best to... Yeah, to not waste and to... I guess it comes down to having value of the ingredients that we're using and how we're consuming the food as well. Like, definitely in, in my house, like, my dad always is banging on about um, water and yeah. how we wash the dishes. Mm-hmm. and Turn the tap off. Turn the tap off. <laughs> and <laughs> When you're not, like, actually yeah. rinsing all the dishes. Yeah, so, yeah. We could, like, now, um, I say now, but this is how I've been taught to wash the dishes. Can't believe we're talking about washing dishes, but um, it's relevant. It's all connected. It's all connected. Yeah. I've been brought up with... There's a reason behind why, and it's like my dad's not just saying it to be annoying. Yeah. Like, he's saying it because water is a luxury. Everything has value, basically. Mm. And that's how I've also been brought up, is everything has value, whether there's a tiny bit of leftovers that needs to get put into the fridge in, like, an ice cream tub. Um, Don't you just hate you know, that when you, <laughs> when, you, when you think it's got ice cream and it's got, like, dunya on it? <laughs> it's so disappointing. Yeah, or ginger. Ginger is the worst. <laughs> That minced ginger. But then, for me, that's so... I don't know. For me, it's really humbling, all of this. For me, I think I've learned most of my material skills or sustainable sort of thinking through cooking. I think a lot of that, especially in my household, is like... And nothing would go to waste. Nothing. Even the smallest amounts would be put away but then reinvigorated in the next day so it's an entirely new dish and that's almost like how you can say people are reusing or materials or like uh reappropriating something or um yeah there's you know all of these rewords or recycling yeah, my, d- my dad loves the three he's like do you know what the three r's are reduce reuse recycle (laughs) and he's like recycling should be the end use um 
it's funny because we were having this conversation the other day and it's like, um, yeah, Dad, this is great, but can you stop buying unnecessary things as well? Like, and oh, oh, There is oh, a yeah. hoarding There's element. There's a hoarding yeah, element. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. I, and I think it, it comes back down to they came to this country with not much, you know, and yeah. they worked hard and now they're at a point where they can afford to buy... Um, this that but it's like dad we already have 48 cans of chickpeas in yeah the, the bulk buying yeah we, d- we don't really insane. didn't need an extra 24 you know <laughs> um but it's also this mentality and especially with my dad he has this if i don't use it someone else will yeah, use it exactly and also the fact that it's almost like we lived in an open house in a way everybody would come to ours and like be fed and watered you know it's like the giving element is just so rich I think and it's something that I will always keep with me and it's always the way that we live now it's like people will be fed and watered no matter like I'm gonna yeah give yeah you lunch. I know I'm like, can't, can't wait to eat this garela seedless made for me I'm absolutely buzzing had a light lunch like breakfast sorry um so you know it's like nobody leaves without being like graced with that and do you think that's because obviously the value your grandparents have embedded into your parents because to be honest I've been to I remember at uni like some um Indian people that I knew of at at uni specifically Punjabi people and they weren't as giving (laughs) which I found really quite difficult to digest and it's like Wow, and obviously you're living in halls and stuff, but still, like, even the girls that I live with, I live with one Punjabi girl, one Gujarati girl, who are, mm. are, like, my best mates now, and we actually bonded over food, and, like, we stopped going out, stopped partying, and we'd be having, like, roasts, or we'll be having, like, feasts, you know, like a Sunday feast, and I remember, like, some girls who weren't as giving, and it's like, oh, like, you know, you can have a cup of tea, and it's like, what? what is this so I think yes it is cultural but also it is like I always bang on about it's how you've been brought up yeah by your parents and the values that been passed on that have been passed on yeah absolutely but this is another thing that I will pass on to like my niece and nephew for example and they have that already that's amazing yeah it's just for me it's very karmic like whatever you give you receive and And there's a saying in Punjabi which is um basically when you when you die you don't take anything yeah so if you you have to keep giving you know you keep giving because you don't even take a needle with you when Mm. you die and it's like when you die people don't people are not going to say oh you know like she drove a really nice mercedes-benz it's like, you know what, I really needed a tenner one day and I remember Seedle just transferred me £100 into my account. Mm. And it's about it's about how you treat people and it just boils down to love at the end of the day. Yeah. That's... It doesn't matter who or what, it's, it's about, I guess, that exchange you have with each other and that can... It's about connecting, isn't yeah. it? Connecting on that level as well. And um, I have to ask you this, but when you mm. were growing up, what kind of food did you love eating? And, like, mm. do you have, like, a dish, a, a comfort dish now that when you eat, you're like, oh, my God, like... That's home. Yeah. Uh, Binda. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> will, every time. Every time. It's, like... Especially when with all the other dishes that I've served with it, like the rice and the curry and things like this. 
it's like the best combination. I'm actually so, sitting here drooling. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best combination because you don't. It's so comforting and, it, and it's, it's wholesome like healing as well, food, yeah. basically. Yeah. I've written a piece uh, about the tally, for example, the steel tally, and how that's kind of designed in a way for a balanced meal, basically. So like the majority is carbs and the, there's a portion for your protein and there's a tiny portion for your sweets. And it's so genius. It's like, almost, it's like medicine, isn't it? Yeah. Like our... Um, our food when you when you kind of trace it back um my aunt was actually saying yesterday like in the in the village in the bind they used to drink tea because it was medicine so if they used to have a headache or have a stomach ache like you use you'll have boil a lot of fennel and have um like sorf barney or sorf tea without yep. without the milk you know and it's a medicine it's like and now we just i guess we've become greedy <laughs> In some ways, in some yeah, ways. totally. But I feel like we also lack the understanding of the meaning or the purpose of these ingredients. Yeah. And I think that's being resurfaced now. Especially with this whole kind of um, turmeric movement, as mm-hmm. it were, this whole kind of holy... And it's turmeric like, latte. Turmeric latte, <laughs> golden milk. And when, when I read recipes or, like, people... Like, if I've got... If I'm ill and, like, my friends are like, oh, I'll have some turmeric milk. And it's like, babes, I've been having this since, like... <laughs> since i was one i can't do the milk version but i can do the water version yeah like and and also for the turmeric to actually um for it to work and for it to be activated you have to use black pepper mm-hmm. um you have to use ginger and there's there's a method of boiling it you can't just put like powdered you can't do not put powdered turmeric just into milk and it's not <laughs> it's not really gonna it's, it's gonna do like one percent of the effect that it has um but also it's I remember super potent. Yeah, it is. But mm. like we even now, like say if I'm cooking and I've cut my finger, first thing we do is put holdy on it, put turmeric on it because it's an antiseptic yeah. and antibacterial. antibacterial it's and an antibiotic. It's yeah. like so many things. And it it's, it does make me laugh because it's like all these kind of um values about around food and um yeah, like medicine, it's been embedded into us when, you know, since we've been young and then it's like, oh, all of a sudden it becomes a trend, you know? Mm. But I think we, sometimes we don't even know what it represents or what its purpose is. And I think because we're kind of questioning it now, where I definitely am, I'm like, well, what, what's the purpose of having this ingredient in your food versus that one? And it's all about being balanced and yeah. this idea of greed yeah. and consumption and all of this is like well how much do we need of it actually yeah. for me I think sustainability is similar to a diet so it's like how you employ it in your daily lives is more like well it's all about moderation and if you stick to that moderation you won't fall off the wagon yeah. and go to this yeah. binging or like extreme dieting um and I think that's kind of the essence of all of this, like upbringing, uh, cultural values, the way that I even design with materials, it's all about finding that balance to not like tip it over the edge so that we're like going towards more global warming or climate change. It's like, well, how can we harness this and actually make a positive impact if not like a... um at least a neutral one. So, and, yeah. and I think it's um, it's definitely about 
also having that awareness as well and yeah being conscious about kind of the decisions that you're making and I definitely feel now at this moment in time slowly it's it's happening like you know at like an underlying kind of surface um it's like just before Christmas, I decided that oh, I'm going to do the whole veganuary thing, and I was like, mm. I'm not going to, I'm not going to put too much pressure on on myself. But already, like within the first kind of two weeks, I realised the effect of when I used to drink milk or have cheese, and what that was actually having on my skin, and mm. how bloated I was feeling. And my mum and dad were like, just you know, just take it easy on yourself. And kind of since then. Even just reading labels and reading more about this is making me more aware on, I guess, how I was living before mm-hmm. and actually how I want to live. Yeah. And... We can live without. We can well. live without it, yeah. yeah. And But then also it comes back... I always go back, around, back down to food and it's like our diet, especially Punjabi diet, people think that, yeah, okay, if you eat too much ghee, it's, yeah... Again, not great for you. If you have too much salt, not good for you. So again, it comes back down to this moderation and understanding how to use the ingredients. So on mm. Saturday, I made like um white chickpeas jana, and um, my mum was like, make sure you put sund, which is um, it's dried ground ginger. ginger. Yeah. And I was just like, oh yeah, like I almost forgot to put it in, and that basically takes the gas out. So. Mm. Um, it's, and it's, That's it's a good tip. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. So it's understanding. And even for Mahadal, um, which is like the black, the Urud, um, mm-hmm. it has a lot of gas in it. So it's about understanding what ingredients do what and how... To counteract yeah, it. Yeah, how to counteract yeah. it. And food is medicine if you understand it or even if you're willing to research and, and understand how to use the ingredients in, in that kind of way. Yeah, I mean, it's like ancient principles, really. So yeah. it's Ayurvedic. It's Ayurvedic. Like, yeah. oh, I think that's a, I think that's a discussion for pro- maybe like <laughs> the next episode. <laughs> Always say like, what? It's also how people cook and what they put into that. Mm. So we've been taught like when you cook, like um, you cook with you don't cook from your head. You cook from your yeah, heart. You absolutely. cook with love. And in like obviously at the Gurdwaran Sikh, you know when you when you so cook well. longer, yeah. you you basically pray. So you, um, how can I say it in English? Yeah, yeah, you, you're praying, so you're reciting prayers, and that is like a form of love itself, mm-hmm. and that goes into the food. Yeah. So when people eat, and they're like, oh, so much swad, like, that's amazing. Yeah. You're eating the food, but that's what you're actually getting from that, so it's mm-hmm. nourishment in a different way. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, when I think about that, I'm like, yeah, I'm well proud to be, like, to be have been taught these skills and these values that... Yeah, it's about food, but actually it goes beyond nourishment for the body. Yeah, and also think, like, even... Like, if I... If so many friends ask me for recipes and things. It's almost virtually impossible for me to write down quantities. Yeah, 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 because I you... I can't yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like... It's just all about... Eye. Yeah, and because it, it, I've learned through observation, not mm. necessarily through measurements and intuition. That's how I've learned. It's not... I can't... Take, oh, it's two teaspoons of this and three tablespoons of that. I can't. It yeah. doesn't work yeah. for me. And also you, um, 
when you're cooking as well, you have to like listen to the sounds and like you know when you do the the rye, the jeera, like yeah. that oil has to be hot. Exactly, and that needs to be popping. It needs to be popping. So if, any, <laughs> if it needs to be popping, <laughs> so if if anything, rather than giving a recipe, you should just give a cooking lesson. Yeah, because it's much they, easier. Yeah, because they need to come and see, and they need to know like this is when you add this in and this. But then also that's like. When you're young, like you're saying, you start cooking at five. Five. five yeah. So I start cooking at ten, and that's exactly what my mum used to be like. Stop riding your bike, get in and get in the kitchen. I used to think, for God's sake. But now it's like, I'm so glad. Yeah. I'm so glad because I just love it. Yeah, I love it. It's the best thing. Do you find that it's quite calming as well? Like, do you switch off from work and stuff? It's and therapeutic. Music? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Indian food takes so long. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know, I'm almost in, like, um, not a trance, but, you know, there's, yeah, like, yeah, a it sort is, of it is. state. And, yeah, and it, it, you almost, you almost kind of switch to the now, like, you're quite, yeah, pr- you're very, very present, present, isn't it? Yeah. And it's like, you haven't got to be, you, yeah, we all think about so many things and we're consuming with so many thoughts, but then at that moment, it's like, okay, if I don't, remember when to put the ginger in or if I don't turn this down the onions I mean, it's like yeah you have to be in the present and 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 create magic really isn't it yeah and if you miss a step or you you've like, mucked it up yeah you've had it screwed. you've had it like I remember once I made my brother a birthday cake and I was reading the ingredients and I was like oh, I'm not a massive baker and I was like do you know what 50 grams of butter doesn't look enough <laughs> So I put in 75 and I was like, still not enough. I put in a whole block of butter so for generous. a cake. <laughs> always giving, always giving. And my dad came down and he was like, are you making glob jamun? And I was like, no, I've made a cake. And he was like, how much butter did you put in? And then he looked, obviously he saw the wrapper. And when we opened the oven, it was like, it smelled amazing. Of course, it's butter. It's butter, so it smelled like syrup. But if a cake is gone over an hour and a half and isn't setting there's a reason why and it was just like jello like j- like wobbling with all like this syrup around and then um we had to go cake box in the end <laughs> but it smelled amazing <laughs> and now like anytime it's someone's birthday they're like don't bake a cake it's fine but I've, I've got I've got better like I'm good at making orange cakes but a lot of my cousins don't eat egg Right. So trying to make an eggless cake is really hard. Yeah. I mean, polenta is quite good. But yeah, but it's, it's not the same it's consistency. Not, yeah, it's not the same. It's and not. I feel like it's quite dense. Like, yeah, it's quite it's dense. Much heavy, yeah. And then, you know, you get you always get someone that doesn't like it. Yeah. Yes. So it's just like, all right, we'll just, I'll just make key then, or we'll just make something else. Yeah. But, um, yeah. But it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. And you live and you learn. And it's like, okay, so with baking, you have to follow a recipe, I think, yeah, unless you've mastered. It's very scientific. Yeah, unless you've yeah. mastered and you know, like, um, the quantities, then you can start experimenting. Mm. Don't start experimenting at, like, you know, I'm not even ready to, like, apply for, like, British Bake Off. <laughs> <laughs> My dad was just... I think what's so amazing about food is that you really need to understand where your ingredients have come from mm. and therefore they have a certain quality to them, therefore you can use them or treat them in a certain way. It's so similar to, like, my work in a way. It's like I need to understand where things come from so I know how to work with them. Because even, like, the cultural values to some of these materials, a lot of them have so much value depending on where that material comes Mm -hmm. from. 
So say something like plywood, for example, is seen as such a universal material, but I don't really believe in that. I think, um, I don't think that exists because in some countries they don't see it as a valuable material. Mm. Oh, they don't see, they don't have the same values as say Northern European countries see it as quite desirable um, because they're more familiar to it. Mm. But in say Southern European countries, it's less familiar because they're used to darker woods. So their associations or their relationships to that is just very different. So I think this idea of cultural value, upbringing and familiarity and unfamiliarity is just so prevalent in both food and... Materials. Yeah, it's so, like, in sync. Like, I can't really separate them. Every time I try, it doesn't work. Yeah, you, you end up coming doing, like, a 360 and it kind of ends oh, up coming back. Yeah, because even, like, the life cycle of something... Um, how we sort of reuse ingredients or food and like reinvigorate them into something completely new really similar to materials mm. or it's like biodegradable and we've eaten it and then sort of yeah like even know. like I say like in India um I know like definitely in a lot of like villages in Punjab how uh, they use obviously cow pat and mm-hmm. that is either you know used as kind of fuel or yeah. the way that they cook in the ground and, or and coconut husk in mm. like South India yeah. they're but, like, like bana- yeah. is it banana leaves as well that they eat we were just saying yeah, yeah. On, as a plate they yeah. use banana leaves yeah. so that's like really friendly for the environment mm. and it tastes amazing oh, as well it's the best it's it does taste taste great when you eat like idli or eat like oh god just even like a simple chutney or something honestly no like food and materials are so connected and like how i even describe working with materials is like a chef or a cook mm. i think um and has your outlook always been like that like when you got into the industry and when you started to work like this like even not when really you, no. i would say so, more so since i started matter i think because i think with what I'm almost doing is like reflecting on everything that mm-hmm. I've done and trying to understand it and give sort of meaning to it. And hopefully that kind of translates to others. And I don't know, cause I've had such a varied amount of experience. And I think, I think that really helps to bring a wider sort of context to the value of materials and for me it's always come from food it's like my two loves can be like wow that's amazing that you can it's like you you basically you're transferring your your skills isn't it it's like a transferable skill to understand that what you're eating isn't it's not just about nourishing your body as well it's like giving you a whole new perspective on life yeah because I'm also like understanding who I am as a person, not only who I am as a designer, mm. um, because, like, I started cooking from five years old. Oh, wow. A long time. That's a long time. These um, gorilla better be something special. <laughs> 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 yeah. You better be worried. <laughs> so when that's kind of, like, it's just who you are in a way. It's mm. like that's what you do. And uh, for me, cooking has always been something that I really enjoy and, treasure and actually I get the thrill of other people eating my yeah, food there's nothing like, there's nothing better than someone eating something and actually not saying anything for the first kind of 
ten and just seeing that expression on their yeah, face, and then you're the like, worst. nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> or, um, or my dad is always like, if he, I always get him to try my first. Like, if I've made something, if my mum's not there, I'm like, Dad, what do you think? And I just wait for that expression, and then it's usually something like, it needs more chili, or. Mm-hmm. You need to put a little bit more salt. Yeah, mums are always more mm. critical. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's un, and but it is. It's about understanding how to balance that flavour as well. Yeah. Um, I remember one time actually, my dad, um, he wanted he was like pass me the sund, the dry ginger. I passed him the hing, the, the asa <laughs> and then he was just like chucking it into the potatoes, and I was like, Dad. I, then I looked, and I was like, Shit, I passed you the wrong thing. <laughs> But like, that still looks ooh, works didn't, well with potatoes. Yeah, but I mean, not that amount. Okay. Yeah, they didn't Fair. come out great. <laughs> yeah, and then he was just like, "Okay, we'll try to make so." And actually, we ended up using those and making like tikkies, so mm. like potato patties. Yeah. Um, and again, it was just a bit, yeah, bit of a disaster. But still, it's like we still don't want to waste. Even though it's a disaster, it's like not ideal, but it's like we'll still eat it as well. Yeah. We hate. We don't. We. We hate wasting, like, even if it's bread, um, or even if it's, like, uh, roti, like, leftover, yeah. like, say if it's, like, a bay roti, like, one leftover, my mum will um, break it up into little bits, soak it a little bit, and then we give it to the birds. Mm-hmm. The amount of they birds we eat, it's, oh like, my a, God. it's, like, animals of Farthingwood in my yeah, garden. Really, yeah, really, it's the same with my parents. <laughs> <laughs> they love it. But sometimes for my, what my mum taught me, this other recipe is, like, the roti as well, like, we would... Um, make it into like a yogurty dish as oh, well wow, it's okay. like oh my god it's oh this so is new good. i'm like let me get my notebook it's um it's almost like a spicy yogurty bread dish oh wow so is it just like a plain like um like a plain like chapati like a roti, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and plain. then you just break it up and put it into yogurt yeah, with loads of spices and onions and things oh, like wow, that. that. Oh, wow, that sounds... Oh, my God, that so sounds amazing. Good. We have some... Not as not like that, but we have this thing called jewellery, which is, like, it's broken up, and then you have it with sugar and, like, butter. Mm. No, is, I don't know that one. Yeah, which is quite delicious. But yeah, not, it's these simple things. Mm. It's almost like peasant food. It is, yeah. but then also, it like, when you, when you go back, it's like nothing tastes... You just can't put that value when you eat something from your mum's hands. Mm. And also the fact that we eat with our hands. Yeah. That adds, that just is like a whole nother level as well. It's like we don't, like, yeah, we'll use a spoon to eat the dal or mm-hmm. whatever. But, you know, there is something, oh my, I feel like there's almost something quite spiritual as well in the sense that when we make roti, it's just flour water maybe a bit of oil salt whatever you want to put whatever the basic ingredients are but you're creating that from your own hands Mm -hmm. and then you eat with your hands as well and also to be giving that to other people and it's like this i haven't used a machine to make this you know yeah um there's something only as i've got older i'm like wow this is so special because we always my mum always has said to me since i've been young if you have utter in the house You'll never go hungry. Mm. And I used to think, what's this woman going on about? <laughs> but now it's like, oh my God, there's so much truth in Can that. Make Be- yeah, because it's yeah. like, if there's nothing really in the house, my go-to is always make a, it's really probably not the most healthiest, but I love it. It's a sugary burrata. Mm. So I put um, ghee, brown sugar, cook it in the ghee I'm salivating, and then <laughs> I'll have it with a very like tart pickle, so a mango mm, pickle yeah. or lemon, so it's that sweet 
and sour. sour. Mm-hmm. Oh. It's umami and like it, that. Yeah, and that's like a minimum of two or three brotas. That's like my go-to. <laughs> And that's why I love working from home as well. Because, I, <laughs> because I'm like, yeah, right? Fred, well. Yeah, and there is something in that and it's like so important. Yeah, I think the eating with your hands is is a really spiritual experience, but it's also like there's so much more appreciation, I think, when you yeah. can hold your yeah. food yeah. in your hands and you you can understand the consistency of the texture mm. and get way more feeling mm. it's more emotional i think oh my god massively yeah especially when you eat something and because they always say like food food music taste it's all to do with memories thank you so much for your time and inviting me uh, over and we're gonna inhale some gorilla and um i made some apple tart which um i'm absolutely buzzing to eat so thank you so much and um for anyone that wants to follow seethal on the gram it is what's your handle m a underscore t t underscore e r so go give that a follow and obviously you're all on the social media platforms like twitter yeah facebook Facebook, same thing face the same same and yeah if you have any questions or any comments or you want to get in touch with Seethal directly do feel free to drop her a message or you know give her a tweet or a tag and um let us know your feedback so i hope you guys have all enjoyed listening and look forward to dropping something next month thank you so much thanks for having me